0: This is the Unfiltered Life podcast with Charlotte Jackson.
1: Hey everyone, it's Charlotte Jonesy here, the women's coach. Welcome to the Unfiltered Life podcast. On this show, I'll be sharing the highs and lows of life with helpful hints, tips, and experiences. I want to inspire you to step outside of your comfort zone, turn your pain into purpose, and create your own version of success. As a life coach, mindset mentor, and mum, I am passionate about helping women through life's challenges. My guests and I will get uncomfortable so that you can feel comfortable, bringing you a real honest and unfiltered
2: view. And do you really want to look back in life and think, I spent all those years hating myself when I've just had a baby. My brain was consumed with how much I hate my body. And you'll look back on yourself and you'll be 16, your tits will be hanging down to your knees and you'll be like, I wish I really enjoyed those boobs. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to the Unfiltered Life Podcast with Charlotte Jonesy.
1: Hi everyone and welcome back to the Unfiltered Life podcast. I'm very excited to introduce my guest today. It's the lovely Connie Simmons. She's an author, podcaster, trained MUA and mum to Macy. Not only this, she's a huge advocate for self-love and body confidence, promoting beauty from the inside out. As she puts on her IG bio, making women feel good. This is exactly why I invited her onto the podcast because I know you ladies will love her and more importantly, Connie's just like me, totally unfiltered. She shares the real highs and lows of life, especially motherhood. So, today, Connie and I are about to get totally unfiltered in
2: today's episode. Welcome, Connie. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. It's nice to be sitting in this seat rather than in your seat because there's a lot of pressure asking questions and making sure it all flows. So, Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Amazing.
1: I can't wait for us to dive in. So Mm. I actually wanted to go back to where you started because you've been on like a real journey over the years and I've loved watching you grow and evolve online. So where did it all begin with you? I mean, how deep
2: do you want me to go? We go really deep in this podcast. So (laughs) get deep, go deep. Okay, well, I'm, I'm from Ealing in West London. I've got three brothers. I'm number 3, so two older, and one younger. Really close family, really supportive parents. We live on a cul-de-sac with four other families. A part of my family, so my aunties and my nan and granddad. So just grew up really close-knit, loads of cousins and the happiest of childhoods. We were very active. Sport played a massive part in our household. I was also an Irish dancer, so won eight Irish dancing championships. Um, And then as I got a bit older, I was always a bit of a tomboy anyway, but I wanted to play football. The dancing wasn't doing it for me. I had to fake tan at like the age of like 10 and like glued the socks to my legs so that they didn't fall down because you would lose points if your socks would fall down to your ankles. I wore a wig, even though I have naturally curly hair. It wasn't good enough. Lots of makeup. And I felt a bit uncomfortable, actually. And I think my mum felt a bit uncomfortable putting fake tan on such a young girl. It almost became a bit pageanty. but I don't think... I think they've scrapped that now in the Irish dancing world. I don't know, but I think they have. Anyway, I was so over that and became a bit of a tomboy playing football and just just loved it. had loads of friends and I was always like, oh, if my brothers can do it, I can do it. I always had that attitude, sort of born a bit of a feminist. I think growing up with boys as well, you, I've never seen that competition between men and women that some people do see. For me, we're all the same. And I know society doesn't always make it that easy, but in my household, you know, what was good enough for them was good enough for me. And I thank my parents for that. I've never seen men as a threat Um, as a result which is great and then things got a little bit more complicated as I got older I became a teenager my period came at the age of 10 going into year six um, which was a massive shock for me and for my mum I had little boobs like quite early on I went into year seven so high school as a 34c the same size as my mum in terms of boobs so I was a developed young girl but I was also mature for my age I was kind of an, an old soul I still would say I am a bit um and boys in the older years liked me more than the boys in my year the boys in my year were so immature because boys are immature aren't they girls I find grow up quicker and they just thought wow like why is this girl got boobs like she's <laughs> in class short- I was taller than the boys." And although it's funny now, looking back, I was conscious of it, you know. There was only a few girls that had boobs and all my friends were flat-chested still, hadn't had their period and I was really hiding away. Um, I didn't tell anyone that I had my period because I was so embarrassed. And high school was a time where I started to feel different and started to notice differences in my body. And older guys were probably attracted to me, I guess, more so than the guys in my year because... I was developed and they were ready for, they kind of liked more womanly figures because they were older too. But I also wish I could tell that younger Connie not to bloody worry about boys and who's attracted to you and who fancies you because, you know, you go to school to get your grades and to have a good time and to learn other skills. And sometimes we can get caught up in all the gossip and got bullied at high school. Like I wouldn't say severely, like I didn't, When I say severely, I think it could have affected me a lot more if I wasn't an already confident, popular person. Like, even popular people can be bullied too, you know. And these girls were older. And you were a year eight. So that's what, 14?
1: Is that 13? yeah, 13. Yeah, 13. Yeah, it's young. Yeah, very young. And I actually, you just triggered a memory in my brain as well. I remember, like, because I was similar to you, Connie, I had big boobs, started my period at 12, like straight away in year seven. And so many other girls hadn't. I remember coming on in the girls' toilets and I was just crying because didn't know really mm. what was going on. No. And I developed stretch marks on the sides on my hips because clearly my hips were growing quite quickly. And I'll never forget, like, in PE looking around and everyone else seemed to be... And maybe they weren't, but that was my vision of them, you know, Mm. because it was like, oh, why don't they have these, like, white, red-ish marks on their bodies? It seemed like they always had, like, perfect bodies in my eyes Mm. and, like, really childlike figures rather than womanly figures. Mm. I just want to come back to something, because you Mm. mentioned about being, like, men being attracted to you. Did you find that when you were at school, because of that reason, you kind of, you felt like you always had to be sexy for men or do you feel like you brought that into your adult life
2: at all? I'm the opposite. I try not to be sexy and I have never talked about this before. So it's amazing that you've touched on that. Because I've had boobs for so long, I'm big boobs. I'm so conscious not to draw attention to them. Like I just done a lingerie student and posted about it, and the 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 comments and support's been incredible. But it's from women, and I'm comfortable with that. I'm not comfortable with men following me that don't know me. I'm not comfortable with wearing a low top locally, like a, a top that's low, showing my cleavage. I'm just not comfortable with it. And I'm fine with that though. I don't feel like I'm missing out. That's where I'm okay. Like if I felt like I was not wearing the clothes that I want to wear because of something. I don't know where this has come from, to be honest. Maybe we'll figure it out today. Maybe it's because of always being conscious that I had booed before other people that I've just got used to hiding them. Maybe that's what it is. I mean, once in PE, the PE teacher, he was a man. We ended up doing mixed classes. We were trying out for 100 metre sprints. And like, I wanted to be the best at everything when it came to sport. I just loved it. PE was my thing. And sports bras weren't a thing. They were a thing, but they were just like a crop top that, you know, it would only support double A boobs. That's all I had on. I I think I won. But all he said was, Connie, you really need to look at getting a sports bra to the whole class. All those little (sighs) moments, I guess they add up and then build an insecurity or alter your behaviour. But yeah, my boobs aren't something like I flaunt. I feel like women
1: can't win. You either, if you have big boobs, it's like, oh, you need to cover them up. And they're sexualized if you have them out. But then if you've got smaller boobs, it's actually like, you know, oh, you haven't got big enough boobs to wear certain tops. Like you can't win either yeah.
2: way. Yeah, I mean, women that don't have boobs get told they're not a real woman, which is wrong as well, because your boobs don't define whether you're a real woman or not. Neither does your bum, your legs, like your body doesn't define who you are. And that's what we have to remember. And I, men are massively to blame in terms of sexualizing boobs. But I think women like to feel sexy because of their boobs as well. So I'm very open to that subject. I think if you're going to wear a tiny little dress and your boobs are out and you don't expect to get attention of men and be called sexy, And then the next day you're breastfeeding. It's very confusing because it's such a new concept. And I think you have to be understanding rather than angry that people are confused. That's my view. Look, I'll probably have people screaming at me for saying it. But I do think this is more like a social media thing. If you're going to post yourself breastfeeding, but you also use those boobs To look sexy, it's confusing for some people. I get it. But your boobs are there to feed your children. That's why women have boobs. We're mammals at the end of the day. They're mammary glands. They're not breasts. Well, they are breasts, but you know, they're mammary glands to be scientific about it. But men have sexualized them. Back in the day, you look at old, old, old photos of women... Covering their breasts They must have been sexualized from a long time ago Men obviously find them sexy And it's just really confusing I don't know why or when it started But I don't know if I'm waffling on What even was the question But I do think it's really confusing And I think we've got a long way to go In figuring out where to draw that line Yeah, I agree So where is Connie now? What's she currently doing? I am figuring out my career And I think it's important that people to realise that you can figure out your career more than once. You know, you could be on a, on a journey and then for whatever reason, things turn and you've got to start again and it's fine. So I don't want to rely on just Instagram anymore. So I'm working on ways to get an income from other sources. I'm investing in a course today. I'm going to sign up today, which I'm really excited about, which should hopefully be that. Root for me. I'm figuring out how to juggle being a mum and being a business owner. For me, I, I just, it just doesn't suit me to just be at home. a stay at home mum and it doesn't suit me to just have a job I don't enjoy. Like I can't just go and work part-time somewhere where I'm not happy to make ends meet. I have to enjoy what I'm doing as well. Otherwise I just won't be fulfilled. It means I have to work harder in a way, but I enjoy it, you know. And that's where I'm at. I'm just, I'm I'm trying to get as healthy as I can get because I'd like to try for another baby in the summer. So I'm working on myself in that sense. I work on myself every day. I want to be better every single day. I want to feel my best. I want to be full of energy. I want to be the best mom. I want to be bringing money in you know supporting the family just as much as my partner I very much believe in like that whole 50 50 attitude so yeah I'm just working just working on myself every day amazing I mean I think we all do don't we and we're
1: allowed to have like our down days and days that we don't Mm. feel like we can work on ourselves as well I think there is like this pressure to Constantly get better. I think if you're quite an ambitious person, we put a lot of our pressure on ourselves to actually keep doing. And even if we're burning out, we keep doing and keep doing. And I suppose this just kind of leads me on to like another question, really, which is how do you juggle motherhood, having a business, life? Because I think a lot of mums, and especially new mums, kind of wonder how the hell they're going to do this, me included. I'm struggling myself. We were having a little chat about this, weren't we, before we mm. actually started recording. Just from someone who has kind of nailed it. I don't know if you'd say that, Connie, but I think from my perspective, you've nailed it. You know, what tips can you give to mums to juggle
2: that balance? I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I've you know, i got it all figured out. When I had Macy... I struggled with my uh, mental health. I don't think I had the, I don't think I had postnatal depression, but I definitely was, those baby blues that they talk about, that come in with the milk, they lasted longer than I expected. And thank God for the support around me. Ricky done a lot of research, listened to podcasts and YouTube, Watched YouTube videos about women's hormones after they've had a baby. So really went into it really understanding as well, because men can be quiet. They'll never experience it. They can be quiet, close to it. So that was great. And then I wanted to get back to work after three months, which was probably too soon. But financially, I was like, you know, I'm not earning any money. You know, my Instagram wasn't ex- as uh, lucrative as it is now. And I wasn't working for my brother Bradley because I was on maternity leave, and I didn't want him to pay me when I wasn't working for him because he's my brother. You know, it's not the same as working for a company that pays you maternity leave. I didn't want to take money from him and I'm, you know, not doing anything. So I went back to work, got a bit of a knock, you know, didn't really know who I was anymore really. You know, before I had Macy, I was the girl that had a massive health transformation and bought a book out called Healthy Forever. And here I was with a back covered in acne, hair falling out, emotional, tired, overweight, no body confidence, the complete opposite to who I was nine months before. And it was a shock. And it's taken time to build myself up and Macy's going to be two in April. And I finally feel like me again, that's how long it's taken me. But I'm not saying it's going to take everyone two years. It might be quicker, you know, it might take longer. And I think the thing I'm really good at is being good to myself. I said it to my mum yesterday. I said, I make time for me. I don't care if people think I'm selfish. I don't care, you know, if I have to, if Ricky huffs and puffs, I will have an hour two hours, half a day to myself, if I have to, you know, if on a Saturday it means him going to the park for ages and just whatever, or me shutting the bedroom door so that I can just watch a Netflix program for an hour on my own. I'm doing it because we're in this together. I'm, you know, I'm not prepared to bring 50% to the table financially and do 90% of the childcare. And mm. I'm just, I'm just quite ruthless with it, to be honest, but he respects me for it and he's good and he, he doesn't really argue and stuff and he gets it. I take a lot of pressure off him financially. If we're talking like traditional, like when, where my mum and dad, my dad brought in all the money my mum earned a little bit of cash here and there, but my mum was a full time mum until we were older and then she went back to work. I just never wanted to do that. I don't want to ask Ricky for money. That's just the way I am. But I think that's what saves me, and I think that's why I've I've got this far is that I've, I make sure that I have time to myself. I also cried a lot. I've cried a lot. I've been up and down. I've questioned my ability to do things like I it's Instagram's not a stable career. So that can make you feel really insecure. Like one month, you might have four jobs come in and then then two months, you don't have anything. I'm now finding ways to make uh, other ways to make money. I've realised what I want to do. Yeah, I don't think I have nailed it. I mean, I've realised that you can get childcare. I mean, for God's sake, I don't know what I was thinking. Like I had to work full-time and be a mum full-time. It's not possible. Childcare is an option. You just have to be willing to pay for it. I think that's one thing mums get scared of. They're like six months down the line, they're like, oh my God, how am I going to do this? Child care, you know, your kids are going to love going to nursery. They're going to love going to playgroup and playing and interacting with other children. You know, they need those social skills. So don't hold back. You know, don't be afraid to put them into child care so that you can have time to yourself and you can get your independence back and get your career back. The only thing I struggle is exercise. That's the only thing I haven't managed to be consistent with because I don't feel like I've got the time or energy a lot of the time. And that's that's one one thing that I haven't ticked off my list yet. Just going back, you mentioned about like, you know,
1: the the 50-50 split between you and Ricky Mm. and, you know, mum guilt is actually a big thing. Um, You hear mums talk about it all the time. Is it something that you've had to kind of beat down or have you struggled with it or you just gone, do you know what? No, I'm not going to feel this way. Like it is a 50-50, like this is my
2: time, that's your time. There'll have been moments where I felt guilty, like the first time you leave your baby with someone... Or overnight, I know people can't do that at the moment, but I feel guilty those times. But I'm lucky with Macy that she's so confident and she's grown up seeing my mum and dad because I lived with my mum and dad for a bit and we used to go and see Ricky's mum and dad all the time and my brothers and stuff that she's so comfortable with the people that I do leave her with that she doesn't cry when I leave. So that makes it easier for me. I literally go, bye Macy, going to work. And she goes, work, work bye mum love and then i walk out and she like runs off and she's having fun so i don't know playgroup might shock me i might take her there and it might be a different story so i'm lucky in that her personality makes it easier for me in that sense mum guilt in terms of the 50/50 i choose to work and her in childcare. Is that what you mean by? Yeah.
1: So you were talking about the split as well. So you were saying 50, 50, you know, you and Ricky bringing in the income, but you got this 90% being a mum and then, you know, having to work as well. So quite a lot of mums, it's, it's automatically, whether we like it or not, you are automatically the sole person to look after the baby it just Mm. works like that with Mm. maternity obviously you've got a bit of a different type of job so I suppose where I was getting with it is like some mums might have this mum guilt around you know actually going back to work and giving you know it trying to juggle this between them and the dads and actually giving the dads more responsibility because now they're not on maternity leave.
2: I personally think like we're living in a modern world. It's the 21st century. Everything's so expensive. It's hard to get on the property ladder. Most of the time as a couple, or if you have to both work to make ends meet, to live the life that you want to live. And I think... It's worked for us that every couple's different. But if I was in a relationship where my partner was like, but you're the mum or you, you know, you look after the kids and they were gallivanting off, but I work. I don't think that's healthy. You both work. You both have to see each other as equals. You know, you've both decided to have this child and Ricky doesn't look after Macy 50% of the time. It's still 70-30. I have a three days. I only work two full days, but on the weekends... Oh, here you go, Rick, she's all yours. And that's just how I am. I'm like, no, I I know you've been working a week, but you actually haven't had quality time with your daughter. You know, you're not a babysitter. You're a dad and you need to build that bond. You know, I build that bond with her three days a week. My mum's lucky enough to have her two days a week. So she's got a great relationship with her grandma. On the weekend, he works on Saturdays most of the time as well, though. So trust me when I say he does the bedtimes, the bath time. And on a Sunday, you know, I'm like, oh, go and play with daddy. Rick, You can get up and get Macy and have the morning with her because it's important that you don't always see your child as a chore as well. Like that bonding time is really important. And Ricky doesn't ever... You know, Ricky's happy with that. You know, he's with me. He's on my side. We don't argue about this. There might be times where we're both so knackered, and then it becomes a bit of a competition where you're like, "Yeah, but I done that. Yeah, but I done bath time last night." Uh, you you have those moments. I mean, every couple does, you know. But I think communication is key. If it works for you that you're happy to do it all and let your husband come home from work and sit on the sofa and watch the football while you pack up your laptop and be a mum for the rest of the night and then you have no time for yourself and it works for you, then it works for you. You know, you've got to do what's right for you as a couple, but communication is key. Uh, and I think sometimes an argument's worth having if it's going to have a positive outcome where you're both happy. I know that sounds bad, but sometimes it, it need there needs to be a little bit of fire of like, no, but I'm really exhausted. I am working three days a week. I've got the children seven days a week, you know, I'm not going to bed, I'm doing night feed, blah, blah, blah. You know, your husband or partner needs to hear that. Absolutely. You need to
1: work as a team and you have to have that open line of communication. I've spoken to so many mums and this has been like a topic recently that it's like, oh, I feel mum guilt though if I let him do bath times. It's like, no, quality time. And that's the way you need to position it to dads that also feel like it's a chore or Mm. they're not comfortable doing bath time with their baby. And like one woman recently said to me, oh, but he says that their baby's too fragile. How old is your baby? One. Your partner does work more than you do and maybe you have taken on that role. So the first step though is just to say, have an open line of communication and just say to him, okay, can you do bath times this day, this day and this day? So I can go off and have my own time or me time or I need to work because I need an hour or two on mm. these days. It's actually working as a team together rather than it being about roles and responsibilities. Mm. I think that's the
2: difference. Yeah, and, and planning is definitely a really good tip. Like plan your week on a Sunday, have a chat. Like this is my week, this is what my schedule is looking like. Ricky might have a week where he's working really late late every night. So at least he's warned me and I could mentally prepare myself for it. He used to pick Macy up from my mum's in the evenings, which gave me more time, but where he's been furloughed or, you know, and he's gone back on the tools and things have changed. We've had to adapt and you just talk about it and you communicate and yeah, communication, working as a team, plan ahead. And mums, the excuses, throw them in the bin. I had a sleep consultant, and she said to me, the dad needs to do the first three nights of this course because the baby plays up for the mum, the baby, toddler, whoever. I mean, this was for a child who's one years old because I know Leo's younger than Macy. Macy was, plays up for me. She still does at bedtimes. Ricky can get Macy into bed in five minutes. With me, she gets in her toy car. She starts pulling her toys out of her toy box. It's a whole different ball game. So... You might find that it might be better that Daddy does bedtime because, you know, he gives them a cuddle, reads them the story and she seems to listen to Ricky Moore and the sleep consultant said, yeah, it's known that kids don't muck around for the dad. So give it a go. You might, you know, you can have a peaceful evening if Daddy does bedtime because it, it might be nice and quick. In terms of when Macy was younger we both shared the witching hour. We both shared everything. We really did. He really was a hands on dad I was really lucky. And he had, n- had no experience with babies. He had none. And I also think another thing for mums that are feeling guilty about letting dad do stuff. Can you remember when you were younger? Like My mum bathed me or my dad bathed me unless I see a picture or a f- video. So do what's going to Keep your relationship going. Keep you sane at this moment in time. You know, your kids are fine. Like, you know, they they love you both. That's such good advice, Connie, honestly.
0: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy and vitality.
1: Okay, let's move on because you're a pro MUA. You're amazing at your beauty stuff. And what I love about you is you actually do really natural looking makeup. Mm. So you show quite a lot, you know, your bare skin and then when you've actually done some makeup. So what would be your best tips for mums that don't have time to do their beauty routine in the mornings?
2: Or whenever they can. (laughs) For me, like today, my skin feels hydrated. I've got a bit of tan on. So I've got Bare by Vogue face tanning mist. It goes on clear and it develops. So I'll do that at night. Really, sorry, that was me impersonating, spraying it on my face. (laughs) Takes a couple of seconds and it gives you such a nice glow the next day. So if I've done that, I do that probably twice a week. As long as my skin is hydrated... My lips are hydrated. In the shower, I exfoliate my face and take my makeup off to save time. So killing two birds with one stone. Uh, That's really helpful because I have my shower at night rather than the morning because it's find it harder in the morning. So once Macy's asleep, that's when I have a nice long shower, take my makeup off and that's when I'll also wash and blow dry my hair but I would just say like I just do a quick little tan to give me a bit of colour makes you feel healthier gives you a bit of a glow and makes sure your is on point which is just for me it's just a serum and an SPF you know I feel good enough to go out and face the world do you know what Matt said to me the other day? He was like, what have you done?
1: You look really glowing. You look really healthy. And know you like, oh, for God's sake, I've just put fake down on my face. But you, you know. don't want to admit it? Because I was like, why, do, was why every best. time? Every time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like every time. Um, oh, Interestingly, the other day we actually thought that we were pregnant again. <laughs> oh my god and he was like you have been glowing recently I was like I swear it's face tan yeah (laughs) I did a test it's absolutely fine it's just you know we were talking about hormones still regulating I mean I'm only four months postpartum and I missed a period and I was like oh my god oh my god I think I've just
2: missed it based on my hormone regulation Mm. yeah it's just irregular mine was irregular for a year oh really my period came at different times of the month some were heavy some weren't some months I didn't have one. So don't worry. Ah, it so out. it's normal. But, you but then you... A condom. <laughs> <laughs> Um,
1: okay, let's move on to body acceptance. Mm. And the reason why I use acceptance rather than confidence is because I, th- I feel like you and I both have this view about your body. It's about rather than just going, oh, you know, I really love my body. You know, I have finally learned to love it. I just feel like that's not realistic because you have your days where you look in the mirror and you go, uh, not feeling it today. And then you look in the mirror other times and you're wearing like really nice knickers and high-waisted like you you know you posted that beautiful picture on Instagram recently but one post that you did was actually you know that carousel of your body Mm. pictures Mm. and I just loved it and I mean it it gained traction didn't it and it got a huge amount of uh, likes and people just saying they love you for posting it something that else we talk about is actually you know you have to work on your mind as well as your body and they you have to work hand in hand. So would you say that you have accepted your body now or
2: where are you at with it? I'm at a good place, but only in the last week. And this is because, right, I've done a DNA nutrition test and it answered so many questions that I've been battling with for years. You know, like people say don't compare yourself to other people and it's so much easier said than done but let me tell you now when you find out your genetics right from a nutrition point of view you will never compare yourself again the science in how individual you are is phenomenal I have got the obesity gene I've got the slow metabolism gene I'm not saying scientific words for this I'm just sort of dumbing it down i've got the super taster gene where everything like saturated fats taste so much better to me than they do someone else but the downside to that is that my body can't process saturated fats well at all they either go straight through me or they they stored into fat so the thing i love doesn't love me back and this is now all there in black and white You know, from a swab in my mouth, I also have a lot of tendencies to be deficient in quite a lot of vitamins and minerals. I'm on a lot of supplements at the moment to help support that i'm a healthy person i eat a very balanced diet i love my fruit veg you know i'm a cook so i eat variety but it still wasn't enough for my body my body didn't know how to absorb this goodness and so i'm shocked really i was really shocked i burst out crying because i was like one i needed to hear this i needed to know that i'm not imagining the fact that when i do want to lose weight it's really bloody hard and gaining weight's really bloody easy And the nutritionist said to me, you know, your genetics are against you when it comes to managing your weight. You know, you've got to work really hard. It was music to my ears. I had answers and also like a relief. I feel free. I feel like I wasn't imagining this. I'm going to accept my body for what it is because it's my genetics and I can't change it. So I'm not going to beat myself up because I can't lose half a stone in a week and other women can. You know, it's just given me this peace of mind And that's why I'm really talking about your mind, working with your body, because I've been so unkind to my body. The way I look at it, the way I talk to it, the way I talk about myself, I joke with friends and family about my weight, like as a sort of deterrent, when really, you know, it doesn't deserve it. You know, my body's battling with itself. I'm someone that goes to the professionals, goes to science, I love all this deep stuff. I love women that can get so deep and they're like, I eat, you know, I eat what I want. If I want to eat chocolate all day today, then I will. Right. That's good. I can't be that person. It just doesn't work for me. I can't sit there and read 50 quotes about body confidence and feel like a new woman. I have to work on that stuff. And I need the facts. I need to hear from personal trainers. What's the best way to exercise. And there has to be facts behind it. Last time I had my big health kick, which made me feel body confident and made me feel amazing was because a doctor said to me, you've got high levels of fat around your organs. You've got a fatty liver. You've got a stomach infection. You need to sort your lifestyle out. The blood test told me what was going on with my body. And because my body was physically not well, my mind wasn't well. And that's why it works hand in hand for me. And that's how I was feeling not that long ago, you know. I haven't been that healthy over the pandemic. I've kind of had healthy weeks and then non-healthy weeks and been up and down like a roller coaster. And enough was enough. I was bloated. By four o'clock, I couldn't keep my eyes open. And I'm trying to run a home and run a business. And it's, it's not sustainable for me. So I invested in this test. And, you know, I'm not eating red meat. I'm just loving fish and chicken because the saturated fats But saturated fats might not affect someone else like it affects me. So I'm not saying this is what everyone should do. This is personal to me. And that's why I'm never going to compare myself to another woman again. You know, if someone says to me, look how quick she's lost weight doing the keto diet and Pilates. Good for her. I'm glad it worked for her, but she's not me, you know. And I think that's why I'm at a good place again. And that's why I know I gained weight in pregnancy so much because I wasn't as active and I was just eating what I wanted to eat. And other women could do that and not gain as much as I did. But my genetics are against me in that field, unfortunately. But now I know that I can be so much more mindful throughout my other pregnancies and throughout the rest of my life. And I feel better for it. It's about feeling good. Focus on how you feel, not how you look. Because if you feel good... You're almost not as worried about how you look because you feel good. When you feel good, you don't look in the mirror and go, I feel so good, but I look fucking disgusting. You don't do that. So so focus on what makes you feel good and you'll see yourself in a different light. Oh, I love that, Connie, honestly. I mean, do you feel like
1: honestly I love that and I think so many women will relate I think this is what for so long and for so many years and it still is happening the media obviously portrayed you know look like this woman, look like this celebrity, lose X amount of pounds, try this diet. Like Mm -hmm. we have been constantly bombarded with other women's images to say that you will also look like this person if you try this. And I'll never forget when I was, I mean, I was obsessed with exercise. I was exercising two, three times a day. Honestly, I was at my skinniest. Mm -hmm. I got to size six. And I'll never forget the personal trainer in in the gym actually this was like a turning point for me it was like you've really lost your bum oh anyway everyone kept telling me my friends were like Charlotte you're losing too much weight you're losing too much weight. we went on holidays you know like the girls holidays I did not eat I literally had a liquid diet I was obsessed like in a very unhealthy way mm. and it was because and I honestly had stored images you know on the saved button, or in my camera roll of fitness Mm. models. Yeah. And it was because I thought that if I keep on, you know, doing what they're doing, and I keep training like they're training and eating like they're eating, then I will look like that eventually. I got to size six. Did I look like that woman? No, I didn't. I looked like a tiny version of me that actually looked really unhealthy. And I got to that size six. And just coming back to the mind... It didn't change because I still didn't like what I saw. Mm. I still wanted more. Mm. I still wanted to lose more, even though I was mm. the tiniest I've ever been. Mm. So just, you know, just on what you're talking about, it's that what, what you've done is amazing. I mean, I'm, I'm now sold. I really want to do it because <laughs> it probably confirms... Yeah, it probably confirms what you've already kind of thought about yourself, maybe, because you've always been fighting kind of a losing battle if you're, mm. if you, if. You- kind of already why why is that not working for me because we are all in our own bodies and we all Mm. have different health concerns as well and for some women like you're saying they have really fast metabolisms and for others they don't like I've got a couple of friends that have had babies recently and they have snapped back I'm jealous and I was then comparing myself to their bodies but that's not me And Mm. I think until you finally go, you know what, I've got to accept this is my home, my body, this is what I'm living in. Until you finally actually accept that, then I think you're always going to be fighting against it. Mm,
2: Absolutely. And do you really want to look back in life and think I spent all those years hating myself when I've just had a baby And all all, my brain was consumed with how much I hate my body. And you'll look back on yourself and you'll be 16, your tits will be hanging down to your knees and you'll be like, I wish I really enjoyed those boobs. (laughs) (laughs) All jokes aside, I think women that look like athletes train like athletes. They don't wake up like that. It's a full-time job. The people you see on Instagram, they've had surgery, they're posing in different angles, lighting. They might've had the whole pandemic just to work on their body. For example, if we're talking about right now, you know, being furloughed and that's all they've had to commit to. When you're a mum, that's not the case. Life still goes on, you know. Train like me. That is your job. You train every day, sometimes three times a day for your content. When you work nine to five and you have children, you can't train like a PT. It's just like remembering who you are, remembering your lifestyle, accepting it but when we say accepting it to me it's that still like doesn't sound like enough because it still sounds like you're not satisfied it sounds like you're not grateful for your body and i think for me it's accepting this is this is my genetics and this is my body but i can still improve it aesthetically if i want to i just have to remember that i'm not a pt or an influencer who hasn't got children like i was before that could just work on my health and fitness as my job. You know, I don't have the time that I had when I wrote Healthy Forever. I was training four or five times a week and my life revolved around what my next meal was, you know? So remember that, you know, life has so much more meaning now that I'm I'm a mum and a child. And if that means sacrificing a flat stomach, then I'll sacrifice a flat stomach because I have a beautiful daughter, an amazing partner and career's going well. We've got a roof over our heads. I want to have more children. So I I refuse to be miserable about how I look.
1: Yeah, I think that's, you just mentioned something there. Maybe it's not just accepting it. Maybe it's actually just being grateful for what you do have as well. I mean, there's science in being grateful every day. You know, that's something that I practice every single day before I go to bed. I'll write down three things that I am grateful for, because even if I've had the worst day in the world, I can then reflect and go, you know what? Okay, I've had a really shit day, but... I have got things to be grateful for. This happened, this happened, this happened. This is someone, this made me smile. Or, you know, I do have running water. I do have a body that works and functions and it's keeping me alive. And I think Mm. that's what we forget as women, what actually our body is there for. Mm -hmm. And something else just to touch on, Connie, you just investing in yourself. So Mm -hmm. that's an investment that you said Mm -hmm. um, in terms of doing this DNA. What's it called? DNA? it's just a DNA nutrition test. Okay that's an investment in yourselves and I feel like we are moving towards this but there actually has been a lot of stigma around investing in yourself so as society we have been conditioned and through marketing to you know invest in all of the exterior things so that might be you know investing in a car, a house, Uh, your hair, your makeup, your, you know, everything exterior. And this has, you know, it will make you feel good for a temporary time, but it won't make you feel good forever because you'll swap that for another thing and swap that for another thing. And I feel like we're still not there in terms of actually investing in our minds or investing in, you know, the insides like Mm. you've done. And I feel like that's something that, is missing from us mm. that we need to get into this mindset that actually is okay and it's not selfish you mentioned this earlier on in the podcast it's not selfish to go you know what I'm going to take an hour out of my time to do therapy to do life coaching to work on my business to whatever that self-care is it's it should come with a price tag too just like a car just like a house, just like, it's just as important, but we're still not there in that mindset of thinking, okay, it's okay to invest in myself mm. like that. Mm.
2: I think people think there needs to be a tangible good when you're spending money. I don't know why. I don't really know the reason for this, but I've never been into buying designer stuff. There's always been something more important for me to spend. My house, my flat was the first thing. All my money went into saving that. I had the savings to buy. I've always wanted like a Mulberry bag, but... I've never bought one because there was always something more important, like like the flat. And now the money I spent on that plus the supplements that I'm going to be buying would get me that Marlboro bag. But that Marlboro bag is not going to bring me the happiness, the freedom, the peace of mind, the body confidence that this nutrition test and the supplements are going to bring me. And they're going to bring it to me for the rest of my life. You know, and I think that's what everyone needs to remember. Another thing people need to remember is sometimes we can't change our minds or help our mind or get focused by ourselves. Sometimes we need that support. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you might need a life coach or you might need therapy. You might need a nutritionist to give you like a plan because I strongly believe that nutrition, the right nutrition, good nutrition, feeds your mind. When you are living a healthy lifestyle or as healthy as you can be, you see clearer, you think clearer, you've got more energy, you sleep better. I'm a massive believer of that. That's where Beauty Inside Out comes from. So when you invest in those things or when we're talking about the mind, if you want to improve your mental health, you might need to invest in it. And it's not selfish. It's just not a waste of money. It's the best money you could ever spend because it's not a temporary thing. It's not something that someone could nick when you're out clubbing. You know, you know, when you've got that confidence and you've worked on that confidence, you know, it's not like the latest iPhone. We were walking down the road and someone's on a motorbike and they nick it out of your hand or I mean, a house I'd say is different invested in something like that. But even a car, do you need to spend a mortgage amount of money on a car? Do you really, if you feel like shit and you, you're struggling to pay your bills, do you really? Who are you impressing? Because it doesn't impress me. You know, I'd rather see my friends happy, confident, feeling good and getting on the bus than driving a flash <laughs> car with a pair of labutons. you know. <laughs> but just just think about what gets you through life. What gets you through life is your mental health, your mindset and your body. Invest in them. Best investments ever. I'm about to invest three and a half grand into myself on a course that I think is then going to give back to other people and I can't wait. You know, that money people would rather spend on it's everyone's choice, but this is just how I feel. No judgment there, but if you're mm. at a losing battle and you're you, you haven't invested in yourself yet, I highly recommend it. Absolutely. I think you can't
1: put a price tag on like personal development anyway. We all need to evolve and grow and if, if you feel like you're stuck or you're in a position that you don't know where else to go or how to move forward. Then just like you, Connie, I believe in courses as well. Like I've also invested in myself. I currently have my own business coach because that's where Amazing. I need help myself. You know, I'm a life coach. I've done, mm. I've done, I invested in a course that costs yeah. me three and a half grand as well. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm qualified now. I can actually take on clients and teach them and help them coach them through you know blocks and obstacles and where they're stuck but it's yeah I think it's just having that mindset that it's okay to invest in yourselves like it's I think you're right in terms of like it's like we have to have something to show for it but actually what you will show for it is actually moving forward in your lives or Mm. you know feeling better about yourselves or your confidence or Mm. because without a doubt that's what will
2: help you move forward. Yeah, and if if things make you tick, then that can be in that long-term goal, but you're not really going to get there and be fully satisfied. You know, don't get me wrong, I like nice things, but I'm, I'm, I'm not there yet where I feel like, right now I can start spending my money on things, materialistic things, because there's a lot more work to be done first. I think the younger generation, especially at the moment, it's all about looking good overnight and like looking successful these things will make me look success, successful and I think social media has done that so it's undoing all of that that's something I'm really passionate about amazing
1: okay you have so much wisdom Connie honestly we could be speaking forever but Thank let's you. wrap this up something that I like to ask my guests at every interview is
2: how have you turned your pain into your purpose oh that is a good one I wish she prepared me for that I would definitely say like my biggest pain was my body confidence, my negative body image, always fighting my curves, always trying to be skinny. Thinking being skinny was going to make me happy. And then I've just flipped it full circle because I educated myself. I got a nutritional diploma. I saw a doctor. I've seen a nutritionist. I've read books and I've educated myself on food, moving your body and I've built my confidence that way you know I follow the right people on social media and then I've become one of those people because I know how it feels to hate yourself I know how it feels to not to look in the mirror and think you're ugly to think you're fat to think that being slim will make me popular and successful I've been there and it hurts and it's painful and it's such a sad place to be um like just educating myself investing in myself and working on myself every single day has turned me into someone that gives women confidence you know I want to make women feel good and I want my daughter to grow up and love herself and not go through what I went through Oh, I
1: love that you've been an amazing guest Connie can you Thank tell you. my listeners where they can find you before we go best place to find me is on instagram
2: at connie simmons
1: amazing it's been lovely to have you and thank you for being a guest on the unfiltered life podcast
2: thanks charlotte thank you bye Bye.
1: thank you so much for listening to this episode if you loved it please subscribe download and leave me a review If you learned something new or just really enjoyed this episode, then why don't you share it with others by screenshotting it and sharing it on your stories. And don't forget to tag me so that I can see it. If you're interested in life or business coaching with me or any of my programs, then please head to www.CharlotteJonesy.com for more information. Hope to speak with you soon. If not, I will see you in next week's episode. Lots of love.